Hey y'all, listen, it's time we stop playing it small, but it's also time for real conversations like the ones we used to have until 3 a.m. with our besties in the Taco Bell parking lot collide with the real people full of perspective on topics that are, well, maybe uncomfortable, but the ones that make it preach to those who need it. So come on, come have a seat with me. After all, I'm still the same OG. Washed in the blood of your sacrifice Your blood flowed red and made me white And my dirty rags are purified I'm clean, I'm clean, oh There's nothing too dirty That you can make worthy You've washed me in mercy I'm clean, I'm clean, oh There's nothing too dirty That you can make worthy You've washed me in mercy. I am clean. Oh my gosh, you guys. There's so many songs I could sing, but that one. That one takes me back to a place every time. Seven years ago, for the very first time I heard that song... And for all of you that are like, I don't know the song. The name of the song is called Clean by Natalie Grant. But seven years ago, I heard that song. And I was in a room full of women in all white. And what I didn't know that particular Friday night was that seven years later, that song would resonate so much louder. It would resonate so much louder to me in the season that I'm in because I believe that oftentimes God will give you things for your tool belt. Not prematurely, but prematurely. Because you do need them. You just don't need to access them sometimes when he provides what you'll need later. And so I want to walk you guys through this seven-year journey because, man, oh, man, I did some searching and I did some digging. And I wanted to walk you through some vulnerable moments of what it's like to become something, to have to go and unbecome all of it. And so seven years ago, my pastor launched a movement And this movement was called the Unbecoming Me Movement. And what I didn't know then that I know now is the truth about a lot of things, but more so than anything, the truth about who you're supposed to become. And so she tells a story 
a little bit like um like this she found a notebook that she was had written in once and somewhere in between that um hunt to find a specific something that she was looking for she found this saying written in a notebook in a journal and for someone like her someone like me I'll just say someone like creatives it's not hard to write something in a random notebook and then throw that notebook to the wayside and weeks months years later you find it and you happen to open up to that one thing that was in that book and it just it unlocks certain things and avenues to life and so this saying a lot of people have said it and coined it but if I could be transparent I think that it was written for her and the journey that I have taken that now I feel like God is about to unbecome or has unbecome in one moment in a weekend has unlocked and unleashed different levels of who I am who I'm to be and who I um, had become throughout this process and so this particular Friday night on the very first year of unbecoming we were all in all white and it was beautiful it looked like women clothed in righteousness and angelically singing this anthem that we were clean because when we realized after hearing this quote that says maybe the journey isn't so much about becoming anything maybe it's about unbecoming everything that isn't really you so you can be who you were meant to be in the first place Somewhere in a crowd of witnesses, over 150 women heard that saying for the first time. And although I didn't hear it for the first time, my spirit unlocked for the first time. And I allowed God to start doing some real work that particular year. In my mind, I was still a newly bride. Um, My daughters were still tiny. And in that particular season, my marriage was literally just a high and by, come as you go type of deal because of work schedules. And somewhere along that journey, I had lost me. I had forgotten what it was like to smile authentically and be transparent with the people that were in my circle every day. And then I'm going to do what I thought I would never do. (laughs) So hang tight with me. I'm going to go within my notes section of my phone, because let's be real, every woman has a note section in her phone from different sermon notes and poems and poetry and letters and All the things, right? So I went and I pulled up all the years of unbecoming. And I'm going to start with the one 
that is seemingly funny because none of us can remember if it had a theme. But for me, it was everything that I didn't know that I was needing in that season. So I want to take you back to 2018. I cannot remember for the life of me if year two of Unbecoming had a theme. But for me, the theme was I am enough. My pastor wrote a song with her sisters and her daughter. And the t-shirt that year was a black t-shirt that had the words, I am enough on it. And creatively, what I did not know is that on year seven, God would reveal to me what that t-shirt really resonated and what it really meant. Because that particular year, like every year except this one, I creatively redesigned my shirt. (laughs) I don't like looking like everyone. Um, Every year up until this year, I normally would distress my shirt, cut every shirt just to be different. And I particularly remember this shirt because I wore an African pleated skirt, a pair of black Chuck Taylors. And I took that I Am Enough t-shirt and with red paint, I painted my daughter's hands and I put it on the back of the shirt. And if you listen throughout this entire episode, I promise you this shirt is going to matter when I get to the end of this. And so I pulled up my notes and within my notes from that year, it says, unbecoming everything that you had became. The journey continues. 365 days ago, You and I sat here in all white, itching to be cleansed and purged from within. The dirty rags and their stench, we were supposed to leave them lingering here. The depths of our hearts had it ingrained by the end of the weekend that maybe the journey isn't so much about becoming anything. Maybe it's about unbecoming everything that isn't really you. So you can be who you were meant to be in the first place, but then Monday came. And she knocked you down time and time and time again. And you realize just how quick the journey can set a new course. And yet your reaction led back to this old distractions. And in an instant, like quick grits, gritting your teeth as furry, fury and rage replaced the joy. And now here you are, like me. Back for another ounce of glory, another level of restorations and grace. Because part one isn't the beginning of the journey. It's just a map of the journey to unbecome the mere thought of and reflection of who and where and why you want to be or become or have become. See, Nas said it best in some really quick lyrics. He said, I know I can be what I want to be. And if I work hard at it, I'll be where I want to be. Or if you're like me and maybe you're more like sweet and crunchy like M&M's, you better lose yourself in the music the moment you want it you better never let it go you only get one shot with the lies but truth and opportunity comes once in a lifetime but let's get real because as you unbecome you have to be becoming at the same time impossibility just proves that I'm possible to be who God designed me to be because as he walked out the door daddy was gone but at the time my father was reminding me that he never left me nor forsaked me 
And as Becky with the good hair tried to rip my marriage apart, lips of lies, body images nude, I was reminded of a woman who told me to pray without ceasing. And that the third part of the story would always resurface the truth. And here as I'm sitting here, as I begin to remember, for there to be fire, there has to be fuel. Everyone wants the lamp and the light, but they don't want to do it without the fuel. And what I realized in 2018 was to get oil, there had to be pressure. And for there to be pressure, a process was required. And so I realized then that I couldn't get mad at God for a trial that I had created. Because sometimes God will break your spirit to save your soul. And if you don't say something, you aren't creating anything. Your dignity is never tied to anyone or anything who walked out on you. You don't get what you want. You get what you are. So stop, pause, listen, release your Spanx mentality. People are talking about you because if they talked about themselves, nobody would be around to listen. The season in my life, God is telling me to move people from VIP to the balconies. No more reservations, no more shiny things. No more life complexities, because when I realize that all they'll see is me. I wanted to be the reality of God's image they're really looking at. That was in 2018. 2019, our theme was let your hair down. And we started talking about different scenarios. And then we went to 2020 when life happened, when a nation was shut down. And we talked about a butterfly effect. And I remember vividly at the end of that year of unbecoming. Although we did a butterfly release and it was beautiful, I have no idea, like only she can, my pastor literally found real butterflies <laughs> that were in a package to do a butterfly release that every woman had. And it was beautiful. She was talking about a monarch butterfly. And I remember sitting in that message. And I remember pacing the back of the floor. I remember looking at the women, and I'm like, man, God, I didn't think that I belonged there. I didn't feel like I was where I was supposed to be because so many of those women looked like they were fully out of their cocoon season. Their wings were exposed. They were beautiful. They were radiant. And I felt like I was still in the caterpillar phase. The phase of life where you know you're growing, you know you're stretching, but inch by inch by inch by inch it just seems like you'll never get to the destination because your legs are so small your body is so compact you feel so much tight and pressure and then one day you just get sucked up in this season of a cocoon where you feel like it's just too tight and you cannot breathe and you're inhaling and exhaling and every time you inhale it gets tired every time you exhale you feel like you're gonna die there it's almost like exile I was in that season. 
Because somewhere in between life, marriage, children, ministry, I felt like I was burnt out. I felt like I couldn't take another day. I felt like everything that I had lived for was crumbling. Our finances were really out of whack. That was the first time that I didn't know if I was coming or going. That was the first time I felt like my dreams, my passions, my God-given talents, my ministries were laying dormant. I felt abused. I felt naked. I felt like I was just literally had been left to die. And it was no one's fault but mine. And the one thing that I should have done, I literally ran from. I stopped journaling in my Bible. I stopped journaling in general. I stopped praying. I stopped trying to figure out what God was really saying. I stopped asking hard questions to God. And I turned to everything else. And see, what I what I knew then was that If I kept bringing all the things to God that didn't matter and trying to keep my messy things, I would never have a message. Because, see, without the messy places, you don't have a message in the kingdom. And there were times where I wanted to represent God And I wanted to go tell all the things about God, but I didn't want to expose my messy places. I didn't want people to know that I didn't have it all together. I didn't want to let my gifts define me, but I also had to remember that I'm not a human doing. I'm a human being and I am more than my gifts in the kingdom. And so it's funny that All of these things started happening in life and with the pandemic and things being unaccessible so easily. I mean, for the sake of sanity, people were fighting over toilet paper. Like, how is that going to save your life? Who knows, right? Um, And so as I began to unbecome God reminded me that he was on a search for the little girl of G not the woman he wanted to go back to the small little girl who was wild and sassy and vibrant and full of life who wasn't afraid of living God really wanted, he wanted me to become me again. And unbecoming really means getting back to the original intent, the core things of life. And oftentimes the core things of life starts with a little girl that's already called a queen but hasn't earned her legality to wear her crown.
Because as a little girl, wearing the crown positioned your stature. It positioned how you were postured. It positioned how you breathed. It positioned what you wore. It positioned how people greeted you. But as a little girl, God allowed you to be free. He allowed you to run wild in the garden. He allowed you to call his name and be vulnerable and cry and scream and throw a tantrum, but love you. Because as a little girl, you learn to lay aside the parts of you that aren't royal yet. And then we got to year 2022. The year of the bride. The year of the bride is the year that I thought was going to be my favorite. But here is what I know. The final product versus the rough draft. That's where the viewer discretion is advised. The year my negatives didn't know that they too would work for my good. Somewhere in between reality and what's on display are the factors that make becoming and unbecoming a difference. The rough drafts are messy. They're long, drawn-out processes. They are paint on the floor, bruised knees, and calloused hands. They are long nights full of me and my headphones singing at the top of my lungs as if no one is in the room with me. They are hidden gems of worship and full surrender. They are hidden VIP rooms and my ears hearing what my cry sounds like and asking the Lord to touch me in the dark room. They are moments of peace when chaos is all around. They are seconds of an ask turned into a praise. They are runs down the hallway to an altar in the middle of an aisle broken because I've given roses when all I saw was weeds in my garden. They are moments when my fullest surrender felt like a prison cell and unanswered questions leaving me to wonder, but where and here's what I know. I tell you that I'm whole, but I'm still healing. But if I'm being honest, I was at my darkest. Then with full exposure, like a portrait being lost in the crowd, like only you can, you develop my negatives. You shine a light, you make the path straight and narrow, and altars are built and negative images become a new version of final drafts instead of rough scratches. For six years I had served, for six years I've been unbecoming, for six years I've been asking for two specific things. This year, with no physical proof and photo form, you hid me in what I thought were negative spaces to do what only you could unveil me. And I can be seen by your perfect orchestrated lights to speak, to see, to breathe back into me, to only show me that all negatives will always produce a new love letter written from you. If I stay hidden and true to the gifts you placed in me and seats you touched on my behalf and conversations I don't have to war with, I have not one picture from Unbecoming 2022, but I have a love letter written from my mama exposing me to go for it. A rose from pastor who developed my palette for valley seasons and tears while painting what most called a backdrop from a painting of God reminded me that the negatives are the brightest. What I didn't know in July of 2022 Is that God was going to take the negative spaces 
and allow me to walk back down a valley and pick up the things that I would need for today. Because sometimes when you overexpose the mountaintop, the undoing is climbing back down that same mountain. And allowing yourself to walk back in a valley that you know so well. A valley where dead bones are still loud. A valley where shallow people still live. A valley where tears and screams of the people who you once saved are still living. Only to realize that you still may be the only version of Jesus that they see. And so, at the end of Unbecoming 2022, I remember before going into the closing ceremony service, I pulled out my notebook and I wrote this down. I've been having this outer body experience today. It's weird. I can't quite pinpoint the thing that I'm dealing with, but it brought me to this song. I oftentimes, because my brain is so mentally wired creatively that my expressions toward life ideas, expressions, and things of that nature truly sometimes just get the best of me. Nothing could be truly wrong, but the things I've been focused on become overwhelming because creatively I can't find a way to express them. I can't go into the studio and dance them away. Or my kids are sleeping so I can't paint a blank canvas to see the masterpiece. What am I really saying? What am I really doing? Why am I really here? When was the last time you had to make your mind stop overreacting and simply react and interact with life right where you are in that moment, in that season, in that circle that enclosed you and only you? Because how can you expect a world or a nation to change when the change has not began in you? True, I owe a lot of people my time, my heart, friendships. But what's the point in pretending? What's the point in pretending that I want to keep doing this? To show up if you don't want to be there because you've begun and began to idolize other things, relationship, people, gifts, talents. Before you walk into service tonight, go back to being you. Before you became you. You see, hypothetically, of course. And then I ended it. And I walked into Unbecoming 2023. And what I didn't realize... Is that who would have ever thunk that what was going to unfold this past weekend would take me back to year one?
there are so many people over the last seven years that I could genuinely say I was looking for revenge. And I don't know if I was looking for revenge because I had gone through a lot. I had seen a lot. I had heard a lot. Or if I just really was fed up with people. And if you know me, it was probably I was just fed up with people. I'm truly an introvert at heart. And I just sometimes, actually all the time, I take what people say as a grain of salt and I let it roll off my back. But then I go home and privately ask God, like, what did I do wrong? I was just trying to be a good friend. I was just trying to make sure that everybody was okay and everybody felt loved. But what about me, right? Because that's what people who really care about people end up doing. But something transpired on Friday. And man, I can't unpack it the way that she did because I'm going to mess it up. Man, am I going to mess it up? But there are some key points that Pastor Devin preached on Sunday or Friday night, I'm sorry. And y'all, it rocked my world. It rocked my world. Of course, right now, across the world, the I Am Barbie movie is all a rave. And I'm going to be honest with y'all. Most African Americans, we didn't grow up playing with Barbies. Okay? Some of us did. Not all. The ones that did, great. But the ones who didn't, let me be real. We didn't because our parents grew up in an era where... White people weren't fond of who they were and what we looked like. If we didn't play with them, it was because Barbie didn't look like us. If we didn't play with them, it was because Barbie never thought that we were beautiful and what we wanted to see modeled wasn't modeled in Barbie. And I want to be real, me and my sister talked about this way before we knew that this was going to be the title of the sermon for the opening night. And we were like, I mean, no, we really don't want to go see it. Like, who gives a crap? It's a Barbie doll. Like, who cares? But now I want to go see the movie because of the message that was I, I want to see for myself. Right? And although the title was I Am Barbie, the way she allowed God to minister this from scripture to culture to scripture to obedience was beautiful. And so there are some things that she said, talking about the woman with the issue of blood and the man whose daughter dies at 12 and God does a miracle in her life. And y'all, when I tell y'all, that I just lost it. I was, oof, it was so, so good. And so, she's talking about, um, the woman with the issue of blood, how she had been bleeding for 12 years. And then she starts talking about Jairus' daughter, 
and I don't even know if that's how you say his name. I'm not a theologian. I'm not a Bible scholar. I didn't even go to Bible college to become all of these things, okay? But the woman with the issue of blood had been bleeding for 12 years. And Jairus' daughter was 12 years old. And so she reads verses 40 through 55 out of Luke chapter 8. And y'all, I was undone because she breaks down these two stories and how they really are connected. And it's a generational connection. And if you don't know the story, go read them, go study them, go show yourself approved, go seek them out for yourself. But these are the statements that she said concerning these two stories. And when I tell you that they rocked my world and they begin to do some unraveling quickly in my life. In Bible college, I heard this saying for the first time, and I held, I have held on to it every day of my life, that servants get a double portion of anointing, of blessing, of favor. And I believe it wholeheartedly. I didn't think that I was going to be able to hear this message. But when I walked into the sanctuary, she said this statement. The woman with the issue of blood wasn't in the way. She was on the way. And if we aren't careful in seasons where we feel like we're just in the way of whatever it is God is doing, we will miss the blessing that he is genuinely just saying, no, you're on your way. I'm actually leading you and guiding you in that direction. We may be forfeiting our legacies. And as a mom, hearing these two stories that particular weekend, she also said that because of culture and legacies and family histories, a lot of women are like the woman with the issue of blood. They've been bleeding out for years, years in the spirit. Not understanding, though, that their daughters are dying because their bleeding is not allowing them to be breathing. Y'all. That still hits me so good like that. mm. When she said that I thought about the legacies and the generational curses that I've been allowed to break. Because my mom was willing to do the hard work. And it's not everybody's story. I get that. But then. She started talking about the woman's issues. And how her issues stole her ability to rest. And that hit me because. If you follow me on social media, you know about two and a half years ago, God, (laughs) wow, 
Hmm. <laughs> okay, God. God began to take me through this season of rest and resting and teaching rest and becoming a steward of resting and allowing the people in my life to understand how to properly do so. And then somewhere I got lost in the journey of resting that I had put myself on permanent bed rest. I had put myself on permanent bed rest in the spirit because I felt like my inability to show up and deliver using the God-given gifts and talents that I had thought were in the way of what God wanted me to do had caused this callousness in my heart about what I perceived God to be doing or not doing. And I learned quickly on Friday night after she said this statement. When you are so passionate about being productive and not being still, you are robbing the ability to rest. Because you are not in the way, you are on the way. And oftentimes, you get so caught up on your label that you forget your name. And your label identifies your sin. Your name identifies what God has already predestined and called you to be and to become. But when you focus on your labels, you're always going to have to unbecome to get back to the original intent of the name that was given. And so it was beautiful knowing that by the time we got to Saturday morning, God had really already begun to shape and tear down and cut off the labels, the identity crisis, and all the things that were true, but were also true and unbecoming. And so then Saturday morning came and... I forgot to have a conversation with my friend and I mean, I respect her and I love her and she is a pastor that I truly love, but she don't know it, but she robbed me because she didn't give me my credit. I'm just joking y'all. Seriously, I'm just joking. But she came and pulled up as only she could and she had this beautiful, beautiful demonstration for you to visually see. And she started talking about the table. <laughs> and I quickly pulled out my phone and I texted our group chat of family. And I was like, uh-uh. Somebody better go tell Pastor Kim that I hadn't already talked about the table. I hadn't already invited people to the table. She's going to have to find her own analogy and pull up with a different story. But y'all, do y'all believe that God will sometimes give you the silliest things and messages. Well, actually, let me just speak for me because that's all I can speak for. God will give you the silliest things that will rock your world 
And they'll only rock your world because, like, you're the only person that really get it. Right. So I have a great aunt. May she rest in peace. And Auntie Maybell, she was my girl. Her birthday's on the 4th of July. But there was something about going to Mabel's house on the hill and seeing that sweet magnolia tree in full bloom in the summertime. All of her grandkids, all the cousins, when we were coming, Pastor Kim told the story of her great-grandmother, and I was like, ooh, that's my Auntie Maybell, girl, that's my Auntie Maybell. And it never failed. Every time we showed up at her house, she had our favorite snack. She had our favorite drinks. She had our favorite meal prepared. And my favorite thing (laughs) that she ever, ever made were these cocktail shrimp. They weren't just cocktail shrimp, y'all. I don't know. It is the simplest recipe, but it changes my life every time I would go home. But what's funny is the kids weren't ever supposed to eat them because it was really supposed to be for the adults when they was playing spades outside on the deck, on the patio. They would put them out there on the ice and they eat them playing cards. But Auntie Mabel would always save me a bowl. And she'd always tell me, baby, I need you to go in there and get my Coca-Cola. She didn't drink Coke. (laughs) And I knew that when she told me to go get her Coca-Cola, that was my cue that I could go in the refrigerator that the kids weren't supposed to touch. And get my bowl of shrimp and hide in in a big room is what we called it. But what I didn't know then is that my aunt was actually preparing a table for me. Of legacy of how to build a perfect table for people who to come and dine at your home and I watched her and my grandmother and my other great aunt treat their homes like palaces like mansions that they never could afford And as I got older, I watched my mom do the same thing. And I remember one day asking my mom, one year after I'm becoming, actually, I had a lot of friends come and stay the night. And I was like, Mom, don't you ever get tired of people being in our house? I'm telling y'all, I'm really an introvert. I could do without people being in my home 24-7, seven days a week. But I asked my mom, don't you ever get tired? And she said, you know, no, not really. And I said, are you for real? Why? And she said, because, as my mom would only say, because mama taught me how to invite anybody and everybody to come to my house. Because I knew that when they left my house, they'd find peace there. Because I supplied them with everything that they needed to continue the journey. And I said, even the people that lied to you, that hurt you, yeah, even those people. Because what still remains to be true is that sometimes God will make you prepare a table in the presence of your enemies. So when they have to pull up to your table, 
even though they're coming, thinking that they have the upper hand by you feeding them. What they don't realize is that when they get up and leave your table, you have sustained them and healed them. But the blessing is that you get to get up from the same table more whole than more broken than they are. And so Saturday night closing on Becoming 2023. I went in with one intention. I went in wanting to know that God knew what he was doing. And as crazy as it sounds, being a PK, being... (laughs) a leader being in ministry my whole life. Sometimes knowing God just isn't enough. (laughs) And I know that sounds crazy, but please hear hear what I'm saying, but hear what I'm not saying. Sometimes knowing God... There's moments where you just want him to be so simple and not so complex. And when I tell y'all that God, ooh, baby, he, he did a thing Saturday night. Saturday was so precious. And my pastor did what only she knows how to do. She said something that I I jokingly said to a dear friend of mine when we were talking about marriage and falling in love again. And she asked me the question, well, if you ever got married again, would you change your name? And this is the moment that I needed God. And I said, no, I'm not changing my name. I'll just hyphenate it. I don't want my girls to ever think that their mom is not their mom anymore, especially because their dad has passed away. And the woman of God got up here and she said this statement. And even though this is not what she was talking about, God knew that I needed to hear this statement. And I'm going to walk you through the last 45 minutes of Unbecoming Me 2023. She said, you cannot keep your name. And take Jesus' name too. He does not need a a hyphenated bride. And in that very moment, I got up. I walked to the back of the sanctuary because we were about to transition. And it was in that moment that I realized that the assignment that I have on my life right now is to go rescue the hyphenated brides. The ones who were grieving with a grief that only women who have buried a spouse will understand. The women who have forfeited the assignment of God because they feel so broken. 
They feel like they can't keep going. They feel like they're just not enough anymore. Because half of them is gone. And in all essence, none of them is gone. They just don't know how to get up. And so, I walked, well, ministry started happening. And before she closed her sermon, she broke down why we had to get back to Eden. Why we had to understand that God had favored us even when we didn't favor him. Why he protected us while we were playing him. And in that moment, she was talking about a trip on her way to an airport with her and her girlfriends in the car. And one of her girlfriends asked, but what's your thousand year plan? And she said something that I say all the time to my people in business to my life coach clients, to the clients that we have for weddings. And that statement is simple. I didn't make it up. You hear it all around the world. Your circle of influence matters. And the people you do life with matter. And she said, be careful when you make a table. The people that you dine with matter. Because if they don't know how to see your a thousand year plan. Why talk about a five year plan with them? And I looked over to my right. And there was a beautiful woman standing there. And I have had the privilege of doing life with her for the last seven years within this wheelhouse of ministry. And she looked at me because our pastor told us to. And she said, she looks to look at the person standing next to you and ask him, what's your thousand year plan? And only like she can, she looked back at me and said, what if we're living our thousand, a thousand year plan? And I looked back at her and I said, I'm just so glad that you're a part of it. And we both started to tear up and I was like, uh-uh, nope, I'm not doing this with you today. We're just not going to do this today. And in that very moment, I realized then that maybe the journey isn't so much about becoming. Because see, I had lived the last seven years trying to get to this moment the moment where it was unapologetically me living breathing doing and serving and understand that if no one knew my name my daddy said well done daughter I see you and so we start doing ministry and man, was it explosive, y'all. It it got wild and crazy real quick. 
And I found myself crumbling in this woman's arms. I was on assignment to go look for someone that God showed me their face and I couldn't find her. And I walked over chairs, jumping over chairs, felt like I was crawling under chairs, stepping over people at the altar. And I walked over to this woman who for the last seven years, I feel like, has been at Unbecoming. And we've always seen each other in passing in the middle of doing ministry and we're just like, hey girl, hey. But when I went to go past her, God said, stop and let her embrace you. I said, okay. I mean, God, I'm good right now. I'm just, I'm just trying to get to the people. Like I thought I was, I was in the groove. We was going, we was ministering. And I heard him so clear, stop and let her embrace you. And in the middle of that embrace, God showed me how I was supposed to then go and turn and embrace the the hyphenated women. Because what I didn't know prior to that night is that this beautiful woman had lost a spouse eight years ago. She's the mom of three beautiful boys. It's not a coincidence that that particular night when I was literally just wanting God to show me that I wasn't failing that I hadn't dropped the ball and if I'm honest that I was still considered clean to him that I was still worthy of doing ministry as a single mom the words that she spoke to me were so God given Because she had no idea what I came in there with. Asking and begging God to please just let me leave with a concrete answer. After God ministered the only way that he could to me through her. I literally said. There's nothing else for me to do here right now. I am not capable of helping anybody else. We walked out that night. Still serving. (laughs) And I sat in a hallway. With two of my favorite people. And they both looked at me like, you okay? And I was just, "Mm -mm. just let me have this moment. And I got back home and I pulled out my notebook and I said so quickly, God, here I am. And not only here I am, but God, if you're going to use me, use me.
Because what I know to be true is that eight is the year of new beginnings. But I gotta complete the year of man. And I really walked into 2023 with some big goals and big dreams. And I assumed that Jay and I would do them all. And so beautifully, like only God can, I got back to my hotel room. My sisters were there. And we began to have this private conversation. Maybe one day I'll get to share it. But we began to have this private conversation. And within this private conversation, there came a moment where my friend Sarah was talking about the broken places. And amongst the broken places, how oftentimes God really wants to be in the broken places. Because when you allow him to come into the broken places, he offers up the opportunity, not only for you to get healed, but for you to leave the broken place whole. And this weekend at Unbecoming Me 2023, I wasn't trying to leave healed. I was truly wanting to leave whole. And I promise you more than anything in life itself. Everything about Unbecoming Me 2023. Was what I asked God for. Unapologetically. I selfishly went with an empty cup. I selfishly didn't want it to overflow because I wanted everything in the cup for me. And once I allowed God to fill it all the way up and complete it, then I asked him to let it overflow. And for the last week, I have genuinely lived in the overflow Of the goodness of what God did. And the wholeness. Is so freeing. I hope to God that. Somewhere. In your own space. That you can find. The broken places. So you can allow God to offer you the position. To accept. Healing or wholeness. Don't be like the nine lepers. Be the one that came back to celebrate and thank God. Because the nine left heal. The one left whole. So I don't know what you're waiting on. But I dare you to join me next year for Unbecoming 2024. 
it is going to be phenomenal. But here's what I do know. You don't have to wait until next year. Because what if the journey isn't so much about becoming something? But unbecoming everything that isn't really you so you can be who you were meant to be in the first place. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to accept my invitation to come into my home to come and have a seat with me but to allow yourself to actually be vulnerable enough to ask the hard questions to enjoy the journey listen I will always make this space a space where you can be free where you can be who you are but where you know that no matter what when you get up from the table and walk back out my door That the next time you feel like you just need a space. That you can always come back and have a seat with me. So until next time, do me a favor. Go grab your best friend and tell them, hey girl, listen. I just found a new place that we can go and have those conversations. The ones that we sat around in the Taco Bell at 3 a.m. having but a place where someone else just gets it. They're willing to get in the trenches with us. They're willing to cry, wipe our tears, laugh really loud, but get uncomfortable with having the hard conversations. But more than anything, please know, you can always come knock on my door because I'll always have a seat ready for you.